Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Thursday, August 12th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Many environmental activists throughout St. Louis have similar goals for cleaner air and water. While they have a shared purpose, many of these regional organizations have not collaborated, especially across state lines. That's starting to change. There's no boundaries when it comes to pollution, that what happens here in Missouri lands on the backs, on the shoulders of folks who live in Illinois. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt explores how environmental groups in St. Louis and the Metro East are starting to work together. Missouri will spend $30 million of its Federal CARES Act money on short-term help to treat COVID-19 patients. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports on Governor Mike Parson's plan for the extra spending. Half of the money will go to set up five locations around the state that can administer antibodies as a treatment for COVID-positive patients that are at high risk. Acting State Health Director Robert Nodell says it's a way to keep some cases from becoming serious and requiring a hospital stay. Those have to be administered before they would seek see severe illness. So they're referred typically by a physician to have that treatment taken. And my understanding is it takes for an individual about three hours. The other half of the money will be made available to hospitals to bring in contract health care workers so they can use more of their available beds for patients. In Jefferson City, I'm Jonathan All. St. Louis Public Radio. The St. Louis Board of Aldermen has passed a nearly $170 million pandemic aid bill. The approval comes after a delay of roughly a month. The bill includes direct payments for low-income residents, funding to boost vaccination rates, and a controversial pot of money for economic development along major roads in North St. Louis. That was a sticking point for Mayor Tashara Jones. She previously blocked the bill's passage Out of concern, it does not fall within U.S. Treasury guidelines for the money. A longtime federal lobbyist for the city warned last week that including the provision meant St. Louis would be inviting an audit and could be forced to pay the money back. Most students in the St. Louis area will be returning to schools with masks on. As St. Louis Public Radio's Kendall Crawford reports, So far, almost all St. Louis County school districts are requiring indoor face coverings for all students and staff. The decision comes as coronavirus cases are on the rise and the CDC recommends universal masking. While some parents have pushed for making masks optional, all county districts will require masks. Only Ferguson Florissant has yet to finalize their plans. At a recent Melville School District board meeting, Superintendent Chris Gaines said allowing students to opt out of wearing masks would increase quarantines. Some people will be angry about a mask requirement. I'm sure they'll also be angry when their child has to face quarantine. Overall, masks mean that more kids get to be in school on a daily basis. In nearby Jefferson County, only one school district has announced a mask requirement. I'm Kendall Crawford, St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri is moving forward with Medicaid expansion. Governor Mike Parson says his administration will follow this week's court order and start allowing people to apply for the health care program. But the governor says funding to pay for it remains an issue. Voters approved Medicaid expansion, but the legislature did not identify a funding source. Parson says his administration will continue to work to come up with a plan to keep the program solvent. 
Roughly 275,000 Missouri residents could gain coverage through Medicaid expansion. A longtime activist and founder of the nonprofit Potbangers is leaving St. Louis. Kathy Daniels, known as Mama Cat, is headed to Florida this fall. She is widely known for feeding protesters on the front lines during the Ferguson Uprising in 2014, as well as homeless people in the community. Daniels says building connections with young activists early on left a lasting impact. It's easy to bring somebody food, drop it off, and keep going. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was important to sit down and break bread with these young folks. You know, um, we got very close. I love them dearly. Daniels plans to continue the mission of potbangers in Florida with her daughter at the helm, focusing on homeless veterans in the area. Daniels was a guest yesterday on St. Louis on the Air. Environmental activists on both sides of the Mississippi River have long pushed for similar goals in the region, cleaner air, water, and soil. For the most part, advocates in Missouri and Illinois have not worked together. Until now. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports on the budding relationship between environmental organizations in St. Louis and the Metro East. More than 100 people fill the roadside park near the McKinley Bridge in Illinois on a recent sweltering Saturday morning. They're here to denounce air pollution in the whole region, but especially in the majority black communities that hug both sides of the Mississippi River. What do we want? Clean air! Why do we want it? Now! The crowd hears personal stories from those who call these areas home, like Alderman Brandon Bosley, who represents Ward 3 in St. Louis. Then nothing else matters if we can't breathe. Every single breath we take in is killing us. Um, so my children have asthma. My sisters have asthma. Bosley's experience echoes what many East St. Louisans share about their community, despite being in a different state and less than 10 miles apart. Norma Patterson is a pastor at Good Shepherd Faith United Church of Christ in East St. Louis. Oppression takes many shapes and forms. It doesn't have to be behind prison doors. Oppression is in the air when it's time for you to go to sleep at night and you can't breathe. Other speakers punctuate the common thread of this rally, that air pollution isn't confined to one part of St. Louis. Hillary Scott Ogarende is with the Macedonia Development Corporation in East St. Louis. So don't be confused as to thinking that it's just isolated in some areas where there are people of color. No, if we continue on the road we are on today, it will spread throughout. Virginia Wolf Biley helped plan the rally and is an organizer with the Piasa Palisades Sierra Club in Alton. She says the rally's location, in between the Metro East and North City and County, was intentional. They're both huge environmental justice areas that have been left behind for decades. There is a lot to clean up and we have to do that together. The event underscores a significant shift for environmentalists in the St. Louis region, who largely didn't collaborate across state lines before now. Sister Dolores Sanchez is an environmental justice organizer with Metropolitan Congregations United in St. Louis. I don't think I've been personally aware, and I think a lot of us on the St. Louis side haven't been as aware of you know, what the challenges are on the East St. Louis side. She says the experiences of her counterparts in Illinois are important for her organization to know because both areas face similar challenges with air, water, and soil contamination. Leah Clyburn is a senior organizer with Missouri Beyond Coal and also helped plan the rally against regional air pollution. 
She says she started working more closely with other St. Louis-based organizations around issues of pollution and environmental justice about a year and a half ago. As we started going deeper into the conversation, we got really clear that there's no boundaries when it comes to pollution, that what happens here in Missouri lands on the backs, on the shoulders of folks who live in Illinois. Clyburn says she's heard nearly identical struggles from people living in polluted rural and urban areas of Missouri, mainly that no one seemed to be listening to them. That same narrative repeated itself when Clyburn contacted groups in the Metro East. At the end of the day, this is affecting way too many people and it's not an isolated incident. The only way that we can actually, you know, get in front of it is by coming together as one region and one voice of all races and all representation to say no more. A key step for organizers right now is to engage communities throughout the bi-state and show they're not alone in their struggle. Wolf Biley says that will help the St. Louis region speak with a unified voice when pushing for changes in Springfield, Jefferson City, or locally. You know, we're really stronger together, and it's a lot about building power and getting political will. She says personal stories are the best tools to compel a lawmaker to support environmental legislation. So even if that story is about someone in Alton and we're in Jefferson City, they still know that we're breathing the same air and we're using that same water to sustain our lives. Wolf Biley says she already feels power and clout building from the fresh ties between environmental groups in the Metro East and St. Louis. In Venice, I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.